Hello and welcome to Something Interesting. I'm Albert Berg, and for today's interesting thing, I want to talk to you about Socrates. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Socrates, or are only very vaguely familiar with Socrates, he was a Greek philosopher that lived way long time ago, and he never wrote anything down. He, he just walked around talking to people, arguing with people, making people mad, and he made some people mad enough to get himself sentenced to death in the Greek city of Athens. And he actually chose to be executed. They gave him the option to leave. They said, Socrates, you're super annoying. We, we have sentenced you to death, but there's like a, an open gate right over there. You can just leave and walk away. And we can all forget about this. And Socrates says, ah, I'm kind of old. I think I'll just go ahead and die. And so they make him drink this poison drink and he drinks it and sits around with his buddies for like an hour while he expires. And that's it for Socrates. And that would have been it for Socrates philosophy, except Socrates had a student named Plato. Now Socrates never wrote anything down. Plato though, was listening real good, and he wrote down a lot of what he thought was important of what Socrates said. Now, I said all that to say this, that before very recently, I had not read any of Plato's works regarding Socrates. I had read about Socrates. I had read about Plato. I was familiar with the larger schema of their work together and the massive impact they've had on Western thinking, but I hadn't actually personally experienced it for myself. And so recently I decided, you know what, I'm going to rectify that. I'm going to read The Republic. And then I said, no, actually, I'm very lazy. I'm going to listen to The Republic as an audiobook from LibriVox because I don't have to pay anything and I can do that at work while I'm working. So I, I get the Republic and I start listening and the beginning of the book is really great. It's, it's a great argument between Socrates and some enemies of his, or at least people who aren't in agreement with him fully about what is best in life regarding virtue. So Socrates says to these guys, Hey, it's good to be virtuous. And they say, well, no, Socrates, actually, if you think about it, Evil people get away with a lot of stuff. If you steal stuff, then you have more. Like, surely it's better to be unvirtuous and evil than it is to be virtuous because virtue just puts you under a whole much, bunch more restrictions. And Socrates does a great job of arguing with these guys, no, no, virtue is better. I'm not, not going to try to replicate that argument here. I could, but that's not the point. I'd love for you to go and read that yourself. But the point is that I kept reading. And as I kept reading... At this point in the book, after he has his big discussion with his enemies about virtue, a lot of those people that really disagree with Socrates kind of leave the conversation. You can tell that they've either been annoyed or shamed into just going off and doing better things. They've lost the argument. You don't want to keep having an argument <laughs> with somebody who keeps just owning you over and over and over again. And so Socrates is now talking to people who are mostly friendly to him. His students, sort of disciples of his, people who are at least favorably disposed to hear what he has to say. 
And the dissenting voices get a lot quieter when it's just these people. And so Socrates starts spinning up this idea. And it's the idea that the whole book is written or is, is named after the Republic. Socrates, Plato's Republic. The, this is sort of the most famous work that is of Socrates thinking. And I'm thinking, okay. We're going to get into what Socrates said. What kind of a country or a state did he think that we should have? Socrates, one of the famously great seeker after wisdom. Surely he has some amazing thoughts that are still relevant today. And um, I was surprised to find myself disagreeing with many, many things that Socrates thought about in the Republic. Now, I'm going to I'm going to just go down a list and I will admit at this point in time I have not completed the Republic. There may be a lot more stuff that I'm going to find huge problems with that I I'm going to leave out here if you're a expert who has all of this under your under your purview and you say well albert wait why didn't you mention the terrible thing you said in book eight i didn't get there okay i'm still working on it but we're just gonna go through some of the wacky stuff that socrates says is a good idea for building your country and remember this is the man who founded western philosophy any philosopher that you read about or listen to today goes all the way back to Socrates and his teaching. Now, to start with, Socrates has a major bone to pick with certain storytellers. Socrates looks around him at the state of, I won't call it fiction, because a lot of the stuff he calls out is religious texts, uh, he talks about the recounting of the early uh, legends of the gods and Kronos and all of the wars that the gods fought. And Socrates has the same argument that a lot of people today have. He looks back at the Greek gods and he thinks, those guys are kind of jerks. Is this, is this what we're really following? These, are these the gods that we're going to follow? They're kind of they're mean and petty and I don't think the gods are really like that. Now, this up until now, this is a perfectly reasonable thing to at least voice, right? To say, you know, you say this thing about God or our gods or however you want to frame it. It's interesting because Socrates will go from sounding like a monotheist to talking about a god to talking about the gods. And I'd, I'm not an expert enough to delve into exactly why that is or what strains of thought he would have been able to access at that time but Socrates says the gods that we want to follow are not these weird petty fighting with each other all the time kind of gods and so in my republic in this state that I'm hypothetically going to be setting up here's sort of rule number one uh we're gonna have censorship you guys just can't tell those stories if you if you tell a story about the gods doing weird stuff like coming down to sleep with earthly women or fighting amongst themselves or lying, you know, doing stuff that we don't think that the gods should do. Uh, you're, you're not allowed to publish that. We're just going to ban free speech. Now, I realize that 
free speech is a lot more of a modern ideal. But even so, with my modern ideals in place, going back to find Socrates, one of the major philosophers of all time, right? The founding philosopher saying, well, we definitely can't have free speech. That's not cool. We're going to get rid of like a lot of these legends entirely. We're going to censor Homer, right? So he talks about the Iliad and the Odyssey and he says, listen, the heroes in the Iliad and the Odyssey, those guys are great. Some of the stuff they do is kind of flawed. We don't want our guys in our city to be flawed. We don't want them to be looking up to people who had some issues maybe. So we're going to just take a little red pen to Homer and just get rid of those spots where Achilles is doing something uh, that maybe we would say he should not be doing. And we don't want our people to be doing that. So Homer, you get censored. A lot of our legends about the gods, they just get scrapped entirely. That stuff's not allowed in our city. And he goes even further, right? Socrates is not at all done with the arts. He, he goes on to say, people who are good at playing bad guys in plays, actors who are excellent at portraying evil, are not allowed to even set foot in Socrates' Republic. He, he's going to ban people who are good at playing bad guys. Because you see, if people start to identify with bad guys, surely that will make them more likely to be evil. And we can't have that. So uh, Socrates is going to get rid of Breaking Bad. Uh, he's going to, you know, anybody who's good at playing one of the bad guys in Shakespeare's play. And you can tell that I'm uncultured because I don't actually name any of these bad guys right off the top of my head. But, and obviously Socrates Socrates was around way before Shakespeare I do get that I don't don't write in I'm we're we're speaking as 21st century people here um, but you know it, it, any of the plays that would have been around at the time if you were good at playing the nemesis well you don't get to work sorry you, we're kicking you out and on top of that if that wasn't bad enough Socrates says listen we want people to be good, all right? So we've banned every possible negative example that they could they could have. We, they're just not going to see badness. This is a good idea that Socrates had. They're just we're going to ban people from even looking at negative examples, and that will cause them to be good. He also says we want our people to be happy. <laughs> we want our people to be happy. So, you know what makes people sad is sad music. And because sad music makes people sad, and we want people to be happy because happy people are better for the state, sad music is banned in my republic. No sad music, guys. Socrates has put the kibosh on your sad music. And he even goes so far as to turn to a friend of his who knows about music and keys and things like that and say to him, he says, Hey, I don't know a lot about music. Uh, which chords and stuff are really sad? And the guy names off some chords. He's like, okay, those are the ones we're going to ban. How about time signatures? Well, like, which uh, time signatures get used most often in sad songs? Okay, those ones? Uh, no, no more of those time signatures. We've gotten rid of those guys. Okay, I think we've done enough here to make sure only happy music in our society. <laughs> and 
he almost goes down the route of like banning certain hairstyles and types of clothing but he he stops himself and says well that's a lot of work we won't uh we, we probably won't be able to to do that much micromanaging of the entire populace of our country i'm not saying i don't want to but let's uh let's let's let them wear what they want to wear just no sad music and if you're good at playing bad guy gustavo fring's not allowed in the republic and he goes on he wants to talk about he's building this perfect state right he's building this place uh it's essentially a utopia uh which if you're listening along and you think utopia sounds like a good idea that most utopias that people want to build do end up this way so pay attention this is why utopia is a bad idea um socrates has these guardians and the best way that i can describe these people is that they are simultaneously the rulers of the city they're the sort of the top echelon socially but they are also the military now that sounds like a pretty good gig except for the fact that this military that's tasked with defending the city is not going to get paid like these guys are going to just they're going to have their housing furnished they're going to be you know taken care of as far as what kind of needs they have but beyond that they're supposed to live simple boring you know easy i don't want to say easy lives because they're supposed to be working hard to be in the military but there's no material benefits to this position it is purely socrates says a spiritual benefit and you have to think about this isn't just a a position that you would work to get into right this is actually supposed to be made on the judgment of the best people in the city socrates is going to go around in this city and have some way of judging which level of person you are if you're like just kind of middle of the road you can go out and be a merchant or a shoemaker now you can't be two things at once if you're a shoemaker you definitely can't also be a merchant because socrates says you'll be bad at both and so people are only ever allowed to do one thing at a time in socrates city and uh, doing two things is banned and that's really the the foundational point of all of this that he's trying to get to is well doing two things at once obviously makes you worse at both of the things so nobody should be allowed to do two things at once it's socrates overreaching socrates makes this point of only one thing at a time and it sounds good on paper but then he carries it to its logical extreme and you realize well no people need to be able to do more than one thing right the the potter might still want to just be able to fix his own chair in his house instead of having to take it to the carpenter and wait for the carpenter to be able to do it so some level of multiple talents stacked together is probably a good idea but he's he's gonna have these people in the military only do the military and they're going to be selected from the best top performing people in the the city he does not have genetics as a like a model yet obviously socrates happens way before genetics but he's essentially talking about genetic purity that the people who are the most pure are going to be in charge of the city and also 
in charge of defending the city and oh by the way they're not going to get paid now he also in addition to this says to himself and to the people around him now listen we want to have good people in our city we've already banned the things that can make them bad right they can't see any negative examples from the gods or from legends or from any of our heroes we're not going to have anybody be good at playing a bad guy so those aren't going to be compelling examples the only compelling examples are going to be goodness now on this dimension of sort of genetic purity again Socrates doesn't have this idea of genetics but he has he understands that some people are better than other people at a lot of things you know, you know you've met someone who's just an excellent excellent person and you thought wow i wish i was like them and we can get into the arguments about like well you know moral value is equivalence across the board but i i think that i could point to some people in life that are doing better than me and you probably could too and you might say they seem to be fundamentally better at life than i do and socrates observes that these type of high excellence people with with you know great physiques and great intelligence that they also tend to produce in their children people who are of good physique and good intelligence and so socrates solution for this for creating more great people in his state is government secretly enforcing eugenics again not the word he would have used right he didn't have eugenics but he says we're going to have a lottery that says who gets to have sex or gets to have babies. He does not get into the details of how he's going to enforce this because uh, he doesn't have any detractors at this point. So he's just like, he's got his wheel spinning. He's flying a hundred miles per hour. The Socratic method of like arguing back and forth has long since been left behind, uh, at least in the sense that he uses it during the dialogues about virtue. And so he, he proposes this idea of a lottery that will allow only the best people to be likely to reproduce. Uh, I'll, I'll actually read the relevant quote from this part of the book. He says, the, the principle has already been laid down that the best of either sex should be united with the best as often and the inferior with the inferior as seldom as possible. So, you know, your good people, however you define that, should be having lots of babies. You're undesirable class however you define that should be not having very many babies and that they should rear the offspring of the one sort of union but not of the other if the flock is to be maintained in first-rate condition so he he lays out the the goal and now he says here's the plan now these goings on must be a secret which the rulers only know or there will be further danger of our herd as the guardians may be turned termed breaking out into rebellion he's going to keep it a secret and the way they're going to do it is by having a lottery to say who gets to have sex in socrates republic now in addition to all of this all of this like weird eugenics enforced by the state nobody's allowed to have sad music nobody (laughs) is allowed to play a bad guy very very well on the stage in addition to all of that Socrates proposes radical social changes where everything as far as family life is communal so Socrates again 
like way before the modern era, he's going to get rid of like single family structure. He's going to get rid of moms and dads raising their own kids. No, everybody just kind of gets together in a big orgy like once a year. All the kids are born and then there's like a mom class of people that just raises all the kids that everybody had and you don't know which kids are yours and so there's no possibility of nepotism and everybody just kind of has all things in common like this is this is radical stuff right north korea doesn't go this far in government intervention in their citizens lives like they go way too far but socrates is so far out on this limb that he's like he's tiptoeing off the edge just swan diving into the horrifying abyss of yep the government's gonna do all this stuff and it's gonna be great and he has no concept of how wrong something like this could go now socrates let's redeem him just a little bit he is cool with women in the military right and they actually get free health care but they get free health care from the lower class so you still have your major, major class system, women in the military, they're fighting alongside the men, but you know, they're all of the, the childcare and everything that's happening. Like I said, that's communal. So somebody else is taking care of that. They don't ever see their kids. I guess that's kind of progressive if you want to give him some points. Uh, but you can take the points right away again when he says that like great military v- heroes should be able to have sex with whoever they want to, and nobody can say no to him. So, uh, Socrates, my dude, what are you doing? <laughs> now, I I'd said all this to get you thinking about ideas. All right, Socrates, one of the most renowned philosophers ever starts the whole discipline of philosophy we are still thinking about socrates to this day why he had so many bad takes right i i don't think i have to explain why at least most of these ideas are pretty bad we've seen examples of some of these ideas being pretty bad so why are we still talking about socrates don't people know how bad Socrates was? Now, I would argue many people don't, right? I, I did not. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that lots of people talk about. But the ideas that people do talk about when they're talking about Socrates are still good and interesting ideas. Socrates is going to get to other deeper levels of philosophy here where he builds this whole republic in his mind, right? He says, here's this republic. In my conception, this is perfect. We can pick all the holes in it we want. But his final goal is to say, okay, we have our hypothetical republic here. It would be great if this could actually happen. I, You know, he talks to one of his rich friends who's like, yeah, man, I'll do something about this and make it happen. And Socrates says, okay, yeah, great. It would be good if it actually happened. But hypothetically, if we went through this whole city where we've built all of this stuff to be really good, where would we find the virtue? 
in what part of the city does the virtue exist? And then by asking that kind of question, by, by saying, what is virtue? Where does it live? It's not a physical thing, right? It's not like a tree or a chair or even, you know, a piece of your body. So what is it and where does it live and how do we get more of it? Those kinds of questions are super important. And Socrates goes on to talk about the allegory of the cave. And we've already kind of discussed that of how that you need to be able to break out of the the system that you're currently thinking in and go up a level and say, here's what I'm missing. I need to be able to look down at my set of beliefs and think about them from the next level up to be able to understand if they're true and real or not. And the point I want to make here is that a lot of times these days we listen to people and if they say something that we don't agree with, we say, well, that person's stupid. They're not worth listening to. I'm going to write that guy off or girl off. They, they've got a bad take of some kind. They've got something that doesn't agree with my moral understanding of the world. Everything else that they say must also be tainted. But I don't think that is a good way to approach the world. I don't think that the person with a hundred bad ideas and one good idea should have their one good idea be ignored. We need to be able to discern this kind of stuff. And the fact that we have filtered through Socrates' ideas, gotten rid of the bad ones, and pulled in the good ones, and made them part of our philosophy that we are trying to build and building towards a better understanding of ourselves and of our interactions with the world, it, it I think, is a great example of this, this principle. Socrates had tons of bad ideas. But he had some good ones. And the bad ideas that he had didn't ruin the world. Now, arguably, you could say we picked up eugenics again, and that was a problem for a while. But I think a lot of the goodness of modern society, of the, of the sort of arc towards better and better things, there's a great lecture I've watched on YouTube recently where the the teacher argues that what Socrates does with the forms, with his idea of that there's somewhere in spiritual the spiritual realm a perfect version of every conceivable thing and idea and person, that that has inspired us to try to build our worlds toward those kinds of perfection. We don't just build one chair. And then stop building chairs. We keep trying to find what is the ideal chair. The thing that is most effective for sitting on and for perpetuating health and good posture and a thousand other things. We are still searching for that ideal. And Socrates, in a way, is the person who instantiated that idea. So... Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Socrates kind of sucked. Yes, 
And a lot of people who you're going to hear ideas from have some bad ones. But maybe keep listening. Because maybe something they'll say will be worthwhile. Thank you for listening to this. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend about it, spread the word, and I will see you guys next time with something interesting.